0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight the reigning, defending, the defending, the defending, 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 undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Aaron Green. He's Brett Barry, And <sighs> Brett, last week's show, we're like, hopefully next week, we're doing some more basketball game previews because it was the NCAA tournament. And yeah, that, that did not go according to plan. Um, the Arizona men lost in the first round. The women lost in the second round. And hello off season, where some of the players are still with the teams. So
1: ah, good times. There is still most of a team on the roster, as far as I know.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I I don't know how much time we need to spend. It's been a week now. We're recording on Thursday the 23rd. It's been a week now since Arizona lost to Princeton, 59-55, in a game where, you know, Arizona had looked worse, right? Like, in most of their losses this season, they got their asses kicked. They were leading for most of this game. They had double-digit leads a couple of times, including late in the second half. And then they just stopped scoring points. They couldn't make a shot. They wouldn't couldn't get guys to take shots. Missed some bunnies. Gave up some. Gave up a couple buckets. And it's like the pressure got to them. And just every flaw that Arizona had this season offensively, which was or even defensively, like every flaw just like showed itself in the last like five minutes of that game, and they lost to a 15 seed.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Princeton was, I think, generally considered one of the better 15 seeds, but that doesn't mean that Arizona should lose to them. Uh, And they just got I don't think they're the better team, but they were the better team that day.
0: I'm not even sure that's true. Arizona shot a better field goal. Like Arizona won pretty much every statistical category. Just they didn't win on the scoreboard. Right. Like upsets happen. Yeah. 15. I mean, granted, Arizona is now the first program in history to lose to a 15 seed twice as a two seed, but whatever. I don't, if you're a two seed long enough, you know, often enough, there are things like that will happen. But that wasn't the script for an upset, right? Not for a 15 2 upset. Arizona, box score wise, was better. Like they, they made a higher field like goal percentage. Like Princeton made four threes, four. Like Arizona, I mean, the Arizona
1: lost the battle of the rebounds, which is ridiculous,
0: but that's like it.
1: <laughs> well, if, if I had told you that Princeton would have scored 59 points, you'd be like, oh, cool. We won by 20. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. No, I think it's this is where I, the game is played on the court and it's yeah. not in the box score. And I think what we all saw and even the players immediately afterwards, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to the cliche and the narrative BS because you know how I feel about those kind of things, but Princeton just, they, they wanted it more. And, you know, I think, I think you and I talked about it after the, after the game, um, you know, I, I think you're right that it exposed all of the, the fatal flaws that we knew were there and we knew were a risk. And like, so it's not surprising in that sense. Um, but the, the, the thing that jumps out to me, um, to really distill it down and in, in, it's a reframing of the, you know, who wants it more thing. Uh, this Arizona roster collectively has a lot of guys that like to win. And I'm not sure there's one guy that hates to lose and yeah. that's, and that's a, and that's what matters. And you need, and that's, you know, that, that could be what we've talked about all year. The, the dog on the team, the dog hates to lose more than they like to win. Right. And I think that's what showed up in this game.
0: Yeah, maybe, I the players know Kirk Creese, Pella Larson after the game, and there's more on Kreese we'll have in a little bit, of course. We know he entered the transfer portal, but they kind of talked about the energy that maybe they just didn't have it that, you know, it was just, it was lacking. And I I hate that commentary, generally speaking, because to me when people point to their effort or they point to their energy, that's a way of saying, well, we lost because of us, not because the other team did something, right? Because it's on us. We didn't come out with the energy. We didn't come out playing as hard as we needed to. Therefore, if we would have done that, we would have won. But I believe it here. <laughs> I, like, And I wrote about the phrase he does. It, so I'm like, I believe that because talent-wise, this wasn't an issue of talent. Right? Arizona was the more talented team. And I get it. Like, Arizona's had some issues. Like, their guard play, which I thought was going to play well in the tournament, or had the potential to, was miserable. Other than Tubelis and Balo, no one played well in that game. Courtney Ramey played okay a couple of spurts. But even still, with all that, Arizona, we saw them. This is a team that beat Tennessee. This is a team that beat UCLA twice, a team that beat Indiana, right? Beat San Diego State, beat Creighton. And I get it. Maybe earlier in the season, Arizona was playing Brown. They were late in the season. But the talent was clearly there. And yet, when it came down to it, when they needed a bucket, Tubellus missed some close ones. Okay. And there was no one else, right? I, they just didn't have what they needed to get it done late. And I... I don't know, like they didn't win a lot of super close games this season, but I thought the UCLA game and the Pac-12 tournament was one that would show, hey, they can come back and win a game. This one, they were leading most of the way, and it wasn't until the final minutes where Princeton finally took the lead. And I wonder how much that hurt Arizona because it's like, you're up, you're up. It's like, okay, just hang in there. Hold on to the lead. That's fine. You're not having to play as hard to catch up to really lock in. You're just kind of saying, okay, watch that clock hope it ticks down which shouldn't be the case you should beat the 15-seed by 15 to 20 but i just i i never thought they were going to lose the game until the very end because it's like arizona was up and it's like yeah they're getting the shots they want they'll make a three or something you know and they just couldn't get it they couldn't do what they needed and the team that was one of the best offenses in the country lost cuz it scored 55 points
1: well and if if you recall in the first half um you know there was there were decent stretches where arizona was workmanlike in asserting themselves as the better team not not being too tight not being too loose just like hey we have a game plan we're going to execute on we're going to get the ball down low you know we're not necessarily trying to just you know go up 30 and then take the foot off the gas board it was a very business-like approach yeah but <laughs> as was as as as, as again the, the, one of the themes we've talked about on this pod numerous times you know consistency is what it it, it equates to mental toughness. And this team has had, has struggled with that in terms of consistency, uh, which I would say is struggled with mental toughness. And that's kind of goes along with the theme because then when they get knocked off their, you know, their confidence level, their margin for error narrows. And I think they know it. Um, And some of those guys that are, you know, the players that are, that are the, the impact on the margin, the guys like Cedric Henderson, the guy that I've called the barometer all season, Pella Larson, even Kirk Harissa, who has maybe the most, you know, bravado and confidence on the team that approaches that dog mentality to some extent. You know, Pella Larson had what, two points that game? Yeah, uh, four fouls. To, yeah, more fouls than points. Uh, Cedric Henderson, two points. Pella Larson, two points. Um, That that ain't that ain't going to do it.
0: <laughs> no, they needed more. Tubelis was fine. Like, I know he didn't play well in last year's tournament. He was fine in this one. It was a short run. He had 22 points, five rebounds. He did have six turnovers. He wasn't great. Umar Balo playing with a broken hand. Like, you could tell that that was bothering him. 13 points, 12 rebounds. Kind of do what he should have done against a smaller team like that. But the bigs didn't dominate, and Arizona got nothing from anyone else. So they lost. And like I said, it was kind of like the flaws that they had all kind of exposed themselves in this game, especially in the last five minutes of this game, and now they're out. And, you know, I <laughs> did not expect that to happen, right? Like, you don't, even when, when we knew, like, this was a team that lost to Stanford, that lost to Utah, that lost to ASU and Washington State at home. So they were fully capable of this, and yet I don't think anyone anticipated them losing this game. And not, not like that. Like, Princeton would have made 14 threes, fine, whatever. It wasn't like that. They Arizona lost because Arizona played bad. Now, why did Arizona play bad? Was it nerves? Was it just the flaws that they had? Was it just a clunker of a game at an inopportune time? Was it you know, dedication? Was it effort? I don't know, but whatever it was, it cost them.
1: Yeah, I was just I was just curious looking at the box score, Adam. You know, those those guys I just mentioned, mentioned Cedric Henderson, Pell Larson, Kirk Carissa. Mm-hmm. Those three guys combined for 84 minutes on the court and scored eight points, that means collectively the three of them scored one point for every 12 minutes on the <laughs> right. court. Right.
0: No, they, need, they needed more.
1: They needed more, and very rarely has Arizona's offense been this bad,
0: but Princeton did a great job of taking away, I don't even say they, to take, they took away Tubalos and Balo, because Balo and Tubalos were fine. But if you don't allow anything else from anyone else, then what Tubalos and Balo did was not enough.
1: Well, and even then, I think they just knocked Arizona off balance, where they were daring bellas to shoot the fifteen foot jumper, especially early in the clock. And they played a pack line defense and like Arizona's big still got, you know, some points. But like they didn't get to
0: the free throw line, which but, was
1: But that's and that's what that happens sometimes. But also one of the ways they this team gets free throw. It was a it was a good game plan from Princeton. They're yeah. going to say, All right, uh to Tobellas, you know, you work best in a system, but you're probably a better athlete offensively against our defense to go one-on-one against us. That's how he's going to draw fouls. And they're going to be like, all right, I'm going to play four feet off you. So you take away that and say, I'm going to give you the 15-foot jumper. And he didn't want to because that was also not with Arizona. Like they used yeah, Arizona's They used Arizona's game plan against them. Right? Arizona did a
0: good job of trying to get the ball down
1: low. <laughs> like, well, yeah, we're but, just but, jacking up shots. But, but when there's, but when there's, yeah. you know, five guys within four feet of Umar Paulo,
0: right? <laughs> well, that's where Pella Larson hitting a three or two. Courtney Ramey hitting a couple of threes. Kirk yeah, I think he hit his first or hit his second one. I'm like, oh, this might be a good game. And he didn't make another one from there. Henderson, even. That's where someone in Arizona made three three-pointers that game out of 16 attempts. And most of them were wide open. You know, like, that's yeah. a problem. Because that allows a team like Princeton to pack it in. Now, that was the flaws. Arizona didn't have consistent three-point shooting. But wow.
1: Well and I, you you gave up you gave up nine offensive rebounds to an athletically and size wise inferior team. Yeah. And and you know, if you're Arizona, the thing that you know they want to get out and run, they wanna they wanna run the pace, right? The the best way to do that is to start it on the defensive end. And that doesn't just mean turnovers. That means finishing defensive possessions. That means getting yeah. up rebounds. Right? I know when Arizona
0: had, I think it was like a 10 or a 12-point lead in the second half, I think Arizona got a stop, was a long rebound that turned into a three. Got another stop, another rebound that turned into another bucket. And instead of maybe pushing your lead from 12 to 15 or 16 and probably putting the game away, it allowed Princeton to come back into it.
1: Yeah, like there's no, there's no world in which Princeton should have out-rebounded Arizona in a no. game, period. And they did. And they did. So
0: yeah, what a what a way to finish the season, right? Like I don't think either of us thought they were gonna win a championship, and I'm not sure any of us thought they were going to the final four. But the expectation, especially when you're a two seed,
1: is to at least get to the second game. I mean right. To be fair, I think I'm pretty sure it was before this game where I told some people that like I think there's an equal likelihood of them making the final four as losing in the first round or two. And- well, that was
0: the running joke. Like if they could get through the first weekend and yeah. they might win the whole damn well, thing because they beat the good teams and lose to the yeah, teams as, as, as most jokes are, it wasn't really a joke. It was based in truth. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when, you- of course, people aren't going to look at this season and be like, Okay. Well, they did win the Maui invitational. They did win the pacto tournament. They did beat how many ranked teams, you know, it wasn't a bad season, but when you lose it like that, if they would have lost on the sweet 16, it would have been viewed differently. If They would have won this game, but lost the next game it, to Missouri. It would have been looked viewed differently, right? But because you lose in the first round, and granted, thank you Purdue for you know kind of taking some of the takes taking the spotlight from Arizona <laughs> in terms of like bad first round exits. But losing a game like that the way they did changes the narrative. Like after last season, when Arizona lost to Houston in the Sweet 16, it wasn't, oh, wow, what a what a disaster. Like, hey, this was a great season, right? They had won a lot of games, won the Pac-12, won the Pac-12 tournament, won the Vegas tournament they were in. And, yeah, they lost to Houston in the Sweet 16, but, hey, they won a couple tournament games. Not bad. This, this is different. This leads to a lot. It's led to, I mean, it's a week now. It's led to a lot of people. Being like, what? Where, where does this team go, right? And we're starting to see some of that now. Kirk Carissa entered the transfer portal. Adama Ball entered the transfer portal. There's talk about, you know, Tubellas maybe going pro, which would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Arizona, it's not a turning point. It's not a fork in the road for the program. It's Tommy Lloyd's, you know, second full offseason with Arizona. But there's certainly at a time where the run that they had of the last, like you can even say three seasons, Sean Miller's last year, And then the first two Tommy Lloyd, like that era is done. Like that team is over with. And next year, the Wildcats are going to look a lot different. And I imagine most people, even after Arizona won 28 games and even after Arizona won their tournaments, it'd be like, you know what? It's time for a change. Let's see a different roster. Let's see a different style out there. I don't, well, I don't think you're going to see a different style. I don't mean, I don't mean style, (laughs) but different like mentality, like type of player, different, different makeup of the roster.
1: Well, uh, let me also just insert this into the conversation. Everybody that thinks that Tommy Lloyd uh, is a terrible coach and should be fired, just shut up. <laughs> like, uh, you know, go touch some grass. Avoid the message boards. Uh, do
0: people think he's a bad coach.
1: Like, do they? Is I? I, I mean, I think I, he's. A, I think he's learning. I, he's still learning to be a head coach. Don't, I don't think you accidentally are the fastest coach to sixty wins or whatever it was. And you, you know, if you think back to preseason. With all the roster turnover last offseason, I think if you had said you're going to be a two seed in the tournament, people would have been like, Really? That's great. What a great job by Tommy Lloyd. But if they said you're going to be a
0: two seed and you're going to lose in the first round, people would have thought differently. Like the end oftentimes overshadows what preceded it. But I'm just saying, like where Arizona is at right now, I think people are ready for the next chapter, ready for the new era, for the new. And there's going to be a lot of turnover. Like they lost three guys to the NBA last season and they lost Justin Kyra. So four key guys, they brought a lot of guys back and next season's team is going to look very different than this season's team. Very different.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, one of the best things that's going to come out of the season heading into next year is, uh, you know, the world's most famous, uh, you know, 17 year old Kylan Boswell, who, you know, Honestly people forget he wasn't even really supposed to be playing he was coming early reclassing because he is coming back from injury right um but also I you know you know it's one nice thing Adam I think everyone uh collectively has come around to my uh my my dog uh narrative that this roster needs cuz I think everyone sees it and it's very readily apparent and it needs to be ideally um you're, it needs to be somebody that's also ideal, your best defender and best athlete maybe not your best player but a guy that sets the tone
0: well they need guys who will take the ball to the bucket who aren't afraid of contact who can go through people maybe even go over them right and can get there as in like with kirk Creese, like we can start there he enters the portal wow is he a polarizing player and like i like Creese. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who are going to underrate and underestimate his impact on this team. You don't be the starting point guard for a team that wins sixty something games over two years, earns a one seed and a two seed because you suck. And right? led and led the Pac-12 in assists, like and, could, and threes. Is, where does is he gonna rank in terms of like all time Arizona point guards? Closer to the middle yeah. than the top, and probably closer to the bottom, you know, part of the middle. He was fine. He was a decent point guard for this offense. Could Arizona upgrade that position? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope they can get a guy who's. I mean, is a good passer, not a very good defender, and was allergic to two-point shots. Like, that's a problem. You need someone who can try to get to the bucket, right, who can make some plays from there. That wasn't Kirk Kriza. But that's a loss. Adama Ball, so much potential, but that he couldn't carve out a role this season was disappointing. Hopefully he goes somewhere, maybe a lower level, and lights it up because whatever he was lacking, you know, the talent is still there, right? The potential is still there. If two Bellas leaves, that hurts. And then we'll see what other players leave it error of the transfer portal, but I think it's pretty obvious what Arizona men's basketball needs. Like you're talking about the dogs, they need someone who's going to be aggressive, ideally defensively too. Right, KJ Lewis, incoming freshman, is supposed to be that type of player. I think an mm-hmm. aggressive bowling ball type, not afraid of contact. Last season, where this is where I'm kind of feeling optimistic. I think Chrisa leaving my guess is he was informed that his role was going to be different, that Colin Boswell was going to be the lead point guard or that Arizona had plans to bring in another point guard and maybe bring Crease off the bench or have him play off the ball more. He's like, no, thanks. I'd rather be the starting point guard somewhere. I've earned that. Cool. But that to me shows that Arizona has a plan that Tommy Lloyd understands what this team needs, what this program needs to take another step forward. And he's not afraid to go after it.
1: Yeah, I know. I think that's right. And like, you know, In an ideal world, I think Kirk Carissa as the as the first guard off the bench is that's a great situation on a really good team. You know, I do not like the notion of him moving to the two guard spot with Kylan Boswell starting because he's just not a he's not a two guard, as much as he's, you know, allergic to two pointers, as you put it. He can't guard he can't guard the other team's best wings. Right, he's mm-hmm. he's undersized to do that. I think he is vastly underappreciated as a facilitator beyond just getting assists. Like the ball moves better, and there there's generally more intelligent decisions made on on the offensive end, and the offense does better. You know, I think Brian Peters, friend of the pod, did some analysis where like, yeah, Arizona's turnovers are up, but they the assists and points go up even more so, and that was Kirk is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think your point is well taken, where you know, he's earned the right to not come off the bench. Um, but also, you know, this is Kylan Boswell's team uh, next year right now, in my in my mind. Like, he has a little bit of, I think, that dog mentality in it. And at a point guard position, that's good. I think he's a good defender. I think he's still even maturing physically because, again, he's just about to turn 18. And he's only going to get better. Um, and if you put the right players around him, you know, if, if Tubelis leaves, yeah, that hurts offensively. But you got to imagine Balo's back, and what happens if you put Balo with, you know, a, a, a athletic four that can defend, rebound, and hit a uh, hit an open jump shot, right? You know? There's that we th- I guess all this is to say, I, I I tend to agree. I think there is a plan. I think there's a notion of what they want to do. Um, there's been no reason to, in my mind, I, I, it, the uncertainty I think uh, doesn't sit well with most Arizona fans. But I think we need to be okay with that. And that's to some extent, that's modern college basketball. And we need to trust, you know, don't panic until it's, you know, the season's about to start and we go, oh, God, who's on our roster?
0: (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, there's obvious holes and there's going to be more holes to fill. But I think I'm guessing Tommy Lloyd has a plan. Like I said, he, like, I think we all watched this team this past season. We all saw what happened. We're all going to see who they lose and be like, okay, this is what they need, the type of player they need. And to Timmy Lee's credit, he did a lot of this winning. Yeah, these were Sean Miller's, but these weren't his guys. Now, did he like Kirk Risa? Yes, he did. I'm sure he did. He likes his Ulus Tubellas, right? He, he had to kind of re-recruit all these guys when he took over, and he won a lot with them. But are they the types of players that can get Arizona to the next level? Like, yes, I, I think Kirk Risa can be that type of guy. I think and the guy thing that's kind of stinks for him is he never entered a Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament healthy. Like, yeah. Arizona last two seasons, like, the Pac-12 tournament it took a heavy toll on them, right? Like, what did it cost them to win? the Pac-12 tournament, possibly more victories in the NCAA tournament, which is unfortunate. You know, was Kirk Reese as injured this year as he was last year? I don't think so. Like, yeah. he seemed like he was fine with that. He just wasn't making shots. I don't know if his shoulder was a problem. He anyway, cut his hand. Umar Balo breaking his hand. Like, that didn't help, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but just Arizona, like you mentioned, you know, type of forward, maybe next to Umar Ballo. One thing I kind of thought of watching the Princeton game would remind me of the year Arizona got run out of the gym by Buffalo when you had DeAndre Ayan and Dusan Ristich, both in the starting lineup. And it's just the style of college basketball. If you're going to play two bigs, one of them better be able to defend. <laughs> like Kind of like Coloco last season, at least he could switch and get out on guys and was a shot blocker. Arizona had two bigs. Neither of them were good shot blockers. Neither one of them could really hit a 15 to 20 foot jumper. And neither one of them were like high flyers that could go get a lob that's three feet above the rim. Like it was just different. So... I'm excited to see what Tommy Lloyd does with this offseason because I think last season, last offseason, he was kind of hampered by not knowing if Coloco was going to go pro, not knowing if Dale Anteira going to go pro. When the transfer portal was there, and there are certain guys in Arizona either didn't have time to go after because they didn't know if the spot, the spot was open or they couldn't offer them a starting role. Be like, hey, come here, you're going to play 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Well, now Tommy can go out there to the portal and be like, hey, this assumes Azul Stabellis goes pro. And I imagine I don't know what else he has to prove at the college level. It wouldn't shock me if he goes pro. If you can say, hey, look, it's so a starting power forward spot. Oh, look, you know, our two, our one, two, and three positions are all gone. You know, Creesa, Ramey, and Henderson, all gone. So, top four position one, two, three, four, are all open. Maybe Boswell should be the one, but even still, like, there's no yeah. entrenched guy. I imagine that's a pretty attractive and appealing sales pitch to say, come to Arizona, look at all these minutes you could start for us. You know, the job is there for the taking.
1: Yeah. And I think you combine that. With what you talked about, with some of those guys that left the year before, like Dalen Terry, wasn't a Tommy a, a, a Tommy Lloyd recruit, but he developed into an NBA player pretty dramatically in his one year in Tommy Lloyd's system. Right, he yeah. became a first round pick. Like, that's another thought I had. Like, nobody, I don't think anybody expected. You know, how much better would this year's of team been with a Dalen Terry on the perimeter defensively and facilitating? Right, but this is the this is the the nature of it. And if you're good at developing talent. And that should be Tommy Lloyd's biggest selling point. You know, Zeus Tabellus was a consensus all American. I think I saw this week. Umar ballo That's a Tommy Lloyd guy. And look at what he's look at the growth he's shown in the last two years. And if he takes another step forward and you, and you put him in the, you know, the right positions to be successful, he's going to, you know, continue to prove that. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be a curious thing. You know, the transfer portal giveth, the transfer portal taketh away. I I think this is Kurt Caruso's second time entering because I think he did after Sean Miller got he did here too. yeah, and then he um, came back yeah. I mean, he can maybe he can come back and then go back in, come back and then go back in like all Mejean yeah. Wright, Mejean Wright style. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, like. I, it's... I'm gonna root for him wherever he goes
0: especially oh, yeah. like you know, Pac-12 or something like that I like Kirk Reese I appreciate what he did for Arizona I mean his freshman year was a mess where he couldn't get eligible until like the very end and then he was a starting point guard on two really good teams yeah. like, and he, he, he played hard he gave it his all oh, no. like, he I... was flawed limited but he was a lot of fun
1: I, I cannot um, describe how I'm either gonna my either my head's gonna explode from rage or I'm just gonna find it the most delicious thing ever when Kirk Carissa and Sean Miller at Xavier go to their final four before Arizona does <laughs> and like all of the combined awful bipolar takes that Sean Miller had and Kirk Carissa bipolar takes combine into you know one event horizon of Arizona fandom and I hate all of their takes <laughs> yeah fair enough
0: well like I said we're recording on March 23rd um, so Arizona, the like this is all subject to change in terms of portal, but like Brett said, the portal giveth the portal, portal taketh away. Right now, it's a taketh away portion. kirk Crease, Adama Baller, in the portal. Probably more to come, but I would imagine like when Tony Light has those conversations with his roster, it's basically saying, This is what our plan is. This is how you factor into it. I don't like a coach running guys out of town, I don't necessarily believe in that, but if you go to a guy and you're honest with them, and say, Hey, like we're going to recruit this position. This is what we're going to do. Your role on this team next year might be five minutes a game, six minutes a game, if that. And that guy says, you know what? Appreciate that coach. I'm going to look elsewhere. That's fine with me. Yeah. And I think Tommy lights probably had those hard conversations because he got to live off of what happened his first year where everything was so, I mean, that was, that was a really good team. It ended up being a really good team and he couldn't make huge changes after that. You know, you had to pretty much run that back the best he could. And by the time he was able to go portal shopping, he didn't have a lot to offer. Well, this time around, he's got a lot to offer. He'll have a lot, you know, plenty of minutes, plenty of shots in this what offense, which you'd would like it, to think
1: will be attractive to a high-end talent. Yeah, plenty of good playing time available on the perimeter at uh, Arizona.
0: Yeah, so, of course, we'll, we will have more to talk about Arizona men's basketball because, you know, whatever happens more with the portal, whatever happens with acquisitions, departures, and just the way this offseason goes, we will talk about that. But let's take a break. and we come back, the ladies won a game. Kroger fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back and by the time the Arizona women tipped off on Friday and their first game it was like, you know, your only hope. And they played well. They won their first game. You're like, "Okay, that was that was nice, right?" And then they get to Maryland and whoops. Bad start. Arizona finished strong in the first half and the third quarter was just really bad and they couldn't recover and Arizona lost to Maryland season over and another disappointing tournament for the Arizona women.
1: Yeah. I mean, part of it, you know, if they weren't underseated as a seven, I think they would have uh, made the, you know, made it to the the sweet 16, you know, and they were in it against Maryland. That third quarter was just atrocious. I don't know if you got to watch at it. It it was was, bad. (laughs) You know, it, it's, it was a thing where, you know, in, In women's basketball, I think more than men's, one or two elite players can really, really make the difference, especially if they have like freak size and athleticism. Diamond Miller was incredible. Yeah. Diamond Miller and uh, Cheyenne Sellers, like, they're like, you like, it's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're good players. (laughs) Really, really good players. Um, and you know there you know Arizona has some good youth that looked that looked really good you know Paris Clark was getting some more minutes uh unfortunately you know not to jump ahead but she was put her name in the portal uh which is unfortunate yes um you know and this it this is where Arizona I think we talked about with PJ Brown uh of the star where you know Arizona's a good team but there's like there's this upper echelon of of women's basketball that's just it's a different level, <laughs> you yeah. know. The Stanford's um, though they they lost they in the lost. tournament too, and uh, I think I think Utah may be the only team standing, and that's a team that Arizona beat. Uh, was it once or twice, and should have beaten the other time if we're not for those questionable. Beat calls. them once,
0: and should, as far as we're concerned, beat them twice. But no, you're right. Like Arizona beat West Virginia, and just like as the West Virginia was intense, he Arizona did what they were supposed to do, right? And like they're good, and they showed that. And against Maryland, like they they had the lead at halftime. They came back in that game and like, okay, they have a chance, but then the very best. And like PJ was saying, there's where Arizona fit, in, like at their best at Arizona's best, they were still at, you know, at second tier, whereas there's other programs and Maryland's one of them where at their best, this is what happens, right? Like Arizona's margin for error was a lot thinner and these other programs, like when they're good, they were really good. And I think, I don't think it's like, it wasn't a surprising result. Like, Maryland was the two seed. Some two seeds win games in the tournament. It's crazy. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't like you don't say, like, oh, wow, what a, what a disaster of a tournament this was. You know, Kate Reese acquitted herself well. Shannon Pellington acquitted herself well. Like, they battled until the end in that game, and it was heartbreaking to see, like, their careers come to a close here in Arizona. But then the question becomes, as it kind of is for the men too, but focusing on the women here is, like, what's next, right? And then, like you said, the portal, it's taketh away. And again, there's going to be additions. Arizona's, their recruiting class have been great. But Maddie Connor, portal. Paris Clark, portal. Lauren Ware, portal. Like, these are key players. Like, Lauren Ware come back from injury. Like, these are key players who we thought, especially Paris Clark, like, wow, what she could have been. And it makes you wonder what's going on. What's the problem here? Or is there a problem here? Or is this just college basketball?
1: I think... I'll go a level deeper. I think the portal news is a product of, you know, we've talked about it for the last year, even before the season started in the last off season, that that roster was deep. Yeah. Right. Um. Partially from, you know, people sticking around a little bit longer with COVID eligibility, with great recruiting classes. You know, there was... Adia Barnes made really high end uh, transfer portal additions last offseason. that they don't come here not to play. Um, and, you know, some like people, you know, uh, Maya Naji probably didn't play as many minutes as you might've expected or on an Arizona team a few years ago, but that's a sign of the depth on this team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Maya
0: tweeted out there something like she's staying, like she's not going anywhere. So that's good. Yeah. Well, and she, you know, she's going
1: to, you know, she's going to play a lot next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Um, you know, all those players have you know maddie connor's had some huge games uh lauren ware has been a really valuable player uh but to me paris clark is by far the biggest loss there but that you know you know she came across the country and it's there's a you know didn't play as much maybe she wanted to so that that sucks (laughs) um yes but you know if, if Adia Barnes has proven herself adept at one thing, it is filling out a roster with talent. And maybe this is a product of uh, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing when it comes to loading the roster. But, you know, I don't think it's any, any cause for concern. Um, and there's still all this young talent that I think is going to make it a different team next year. Maybe, you know, fundamentally better and more athletic, at least, and at least on offense.
0: Like I'm all in on Adia Barnes. I'm not one of those people who think of questioning her, but where you have to wonder is like, if this was such just a, a situation where there's too much talent on the roster, why didn't they win more games? Why didn't they go further? And that's kind of roster construction, getting the most out of the team. And you have to wonder if there's that, if there was this much talent, someone was young, like Paris Clark was young, right? Freshman. Mm-hmm. But if there's that much talent, was this roster maximized? Like, I think on the men, you could look at what they did and say they, you know, losing in the first round. No, but overall Tommy, Lade maxed out this roster. Can Adia Barnes say the same for hers? And that's where you wonder. And like a couple years ago she made the final, made the championship game. Aaron McDonald was terrific. And with Sam Thomas and Kate Reese, you know, you had Shannon Pellington come off the bench. Like that was a loaded team with a super with a couple stars, right? And one just mega star. Absent that, what do they have? Like a good roster, a good team, but did they get the most out of it? And that's where I guess you don't know, right? It's a hypothetical. There's no alternate universe with different coaching or with different players getting more run. But I think that's what you have to ask yourself. And yes, it's something you keep bringing in class after class of top, top flight freshmen. You hit the portal hard and you bring in talent. You're going to be there. You're going to have good teams and it might just be getting the right mix. But that's where I think the questions come. Cause I agree with, there was a, this was a loaded roster. the reason why Paris Clark didn't play as much and she's going to be good. But, If you're not going to play players like that at the risk of losing them to the portal, you better win some games. You better win a lot of games and win big. And they didn't do that this season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair question. And, you know, I I didn't get to watch as many of the games as I would have liked to this season. But I definitely followed them fairly closely. And look at, you know, some of that depth in the roster showed up in weird ways. And, you know, sometimes it's maybe Adia Barnes playing certain matchups. But, you know, players like Maddie Connor, uh, uh, Pueyo, like they would go, uh, you know, I I looked it up because I remember Pueyo had this, you know, against UCLA, she played 15 minutes uh, on February 3rd, four minutes against USC, 33 against Stanford, 24, 34, you know, then in uh, against Oregon State, she played eight minutes and 14 minutes against West Virginia, like Maddie Connor had times where she was playing a lot of minutes uh, and then wouldn't be right. Aside right. from Shayna Pellington and, and Kate Reese uh, and, and um, I'm blanking, I'm blanking on the, the ASU transfer uh, Jade. Yeah. Um, you know, Outside of them, you know, there was not necessarily, you know, it was it was analogous to a, a baseball manager sometimes to me. It felt like of changing around the lineup and nobody knows. Trying to exactly. find the right combination. You know, like, and, oh, you're yeah. batting leadoff this day and then you're going to bat fifth that day and, like, you know, trying to find that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm speculating is that maybe a, a you know, a c- contributing factor to what you're saying of maximizing the roster. And uh, that's, that's kind of something that I maybe have would uh, – saw and maybe it is maybe it isn't uh maybe there's more going on in each of those matchups or in those players where there's there's games where they're going to play fewer minutes or 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 whatnot um
0: and it's easy for us to talk about that we're not there we're not the ones responsible for finding the right mix and trying to find the right combination some games it's different players are playing well they're hitting their shots and you bring put them out there and some of it's matchup based for sure but I guess it goes back to do you have faith in Adia Barnes, too? It's not to say turn this around. They won 22 games this season. It wasn't a bad year at all. But do you trust her to be able to get things going and continue progressing, right? Like they had a kind of, I don't want to say fluky run to the championship game, but they got there a little bit sooner than expected had they not done that the expectations would be different. What Arizona's done the last couple of seasons have been totally acceptable, right? Three straight tournament bursts, that would be terrific. People wouldn't be upset about that. Kind of similar to Tommy Lloyd making having one seed his first year. It's like, whoa, what did that do to change the expectations, the trajectory of what you were supposed to be doing by year two, by year three, by year four? But as long as you still trust Adia Barnes to be the right person, and I do, then I'm comfortable with the fact that, okay, the roster's going to be remade. This is just college basketball, and that she will find the right combination that can get them back to the second weekend, you know, and then from there, who knows, but it is, it wasn't as harsh of an ending, but it's sad to see someone like Kate Reese who gave her heart and soul to Arizona to see her career come to a close. Janet Pyington, who was great for Arizona after coming over as a transfer, her career coming to a close and it's, you feel good about what they contributed, right? Like those two battled as wildcats. You just feel better. They couldn't come out on top or that they couldn't win a few more games.
1: Yeah, I think I I think that's all entirely fair and accurate.
0: So it's going to be a busy off season for basketball. Right? <laughs> sure is, Adam. It's sure already is. started. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it's it's always sad when you see good players or players that you like enter the portal. But at the same time, when you bring in good players, it's always nice. So it's like I I don't know. That's that's just the nature of the portal. Players are going to go. Players are going to come. It's just college sports college basketball. So get used to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and players have to leave before others can come in. So this is the hard part. Now the good part the fun part will start coming probably over the coming weeks and months. So, Brett, let's take one more break and we come back. Football, spring football has been happening. Also some baseball and softball. Let's go over some news and notes. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Didn't tease it. We also have a mailbag to get to. So before we get into the news and notes of Arizona football, baseball, softball, and whatever else, we we did ask people on our Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ to just give us their questions because we figured with all the basketball stuff that went down and some of the football things that are happening, there might be some questions. So, Brett, what do we got?
1: So uh, I'm going to give you this first one from Peter Mendoza at PDJM11. Uh, I'm going to start with this one because I think I've already made my uh, opinion clear on this one we, uh, in an earlier segment. Uh, Peter asks, how fun will it be to see the fan base meltdown when Kerr uh, Carisa goes to Xavier and makes the final four next season? So <laughs> I ask you this, Adam, because I think I've already answered it.
0: I, I think they would melt down less over the Kerr Carisa making the final four than Sean Miller making the final four. So hopefully Sean Miller makes it this season, I guess, so it doesn't have to worry about you don't have to combine the Miller and Carisa. Portion of it. But I mean, I, I I think to that extent, it depends on what Arizona does too, right? You know, if Arizona's really good, they say they go get one of these transfer point guards, or Calvin Bezel comes in and is averaging 15 points and five assists a game and is just better. How could you be upset? You know? But certainly, if Sean Miller makes a final four before Arizona does, oh boy, <laughs> I think the meltdown will be that'd be enough on its own. Absent. You don't even need Kirk Crease for that one. Does Sean Miller make in the final four first? that would just yeah
1: that would be it yeah Uh, yeah just i i'm actually rooting for both of them and also don't make me go back to hating on everyone's terrible sean miller takes on both sides and kirk Carisa takes on both sides because you're all wrong for different reasons
0: (laughs) i have no problem with either of them i wish them both the most you know all the success in the world
1: yeah but
0: if sean miller gets to a final four before arizona does yeah
1: well, there's going to be a lot of conversation. I'm going to hit the mute button on Twitter, uh, probably pretty fast that day. Um, a good question, good fun question. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's fun right
0: now because we don't have to worry about it. We have
1: so we have a yeah we have a we have a three parter. So you know we had three people respond, uh, but this one is a three part question. All right. Um. Do you want me to break this up or hit them all at once? Yeah,
0: your call. Do your
1: choice. All right. So this is from the underscore dude 1121 at the same name um guesses who starts uh as to who starts at right tackle and left tackle
0: well left tackle is going to be jordan morgan assuming he's healthy right like that
1: well that's a big assumption yeah to start, but, to start the year but I'm, gonna, I'm reading this as week 1 adam i
0: i haven't heard anything negative about his rehab you okay. know so i would i'm going to say i mean jordan morgan's your left tackle like that's that's it. Right tackle, that that's a good question. Right? Haven't they been looking at um Borjan a little bit there and Sam Langey and even Big Jonah, I think at times. Like I wouldn't be shocked if it's Borjan. Like six eight, three twenty, he's he's a big boy, and I think they like Langey in kind of like that swing lineman role. Mm-hmm. But certainly replacing Peyton Fears, you're not replacing your best lineman, but he was your starter. So right now I think Borjan, I know he's a transfer or yeah, like a JUCO transfer. Big big boy. I could see him getting the knot early on.
1: So I think your answers are pretty good, other than the, you know, just cop out obvious answer of Jordan Morgan. I'm actually gonna assume that week one, Jordan Morgan is maybe not. Well then starting. Lange's gonna be the left tackle. That's what I was gonna I think he's gonna start at left tackle, but I also think that even when Morgan comes back, even if it's in a couple weeks, I think Langy's gonna go to the bench and just play that first guy off the bench and in the rotation regardless of position. Um, I I like your uh, Bourgeon answer. Um, You know, it's a shame
0: the was it Polito the 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 four star uh, lineman is that Raymond Polito. Raymond Polito, yeah, yeah. It's a shame he's not in for uh, for spring ball because that's the type of guy with his pedigree you'd think might be able to make a run out like a right tackle job or something as a freshman. Well,
1: and, and he may. Well, and don't forget uh, Rhino Adam Green will pronounce his last name, who's supposedly looked pretty good in camp. Rhino T. um and then uh also you know uh somebody that the the the, uh, there's a realistic chance. i i I also do think that uh big jonah could get time at right tackle but i I don't like that I, i i think it depends on a few other things and how it plays out one of which the the starting right tackle may not currently be on the roster it's the 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 O lineman that is 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 speculated highly to enter the transfer portal. I can't remember if he's publicly announced, but the portal is not technically open from San Diego State. Um, I, I think his name is, I, I believe it was Josh Simmons, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, Arizona's going to certainly kick the tires on him. Um, and I think if he comes to Arizona after spring football, that kind of triggers a domino effect of some of those things where I don't think Big Joan is going to play right tackle. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Rhino and Raymond Polito maybe don't get forced into a starting spot. Maybe they get some, you know, run, but they probably try to maintain their red shirts, get them some experience, um, and then you know the Jordan Morgan health question is is a real one at least to start the season. Um, you know, so if you want the 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 darkest horse possible, it's the guy that's not even on the roster in Josh Simmons.
0: The, the nice thing, the reason I don't like Rhino or Rhino Big Jonah getting the right, I like him, Edgar. I think like. I totally understand you want guys to have positional flexibility, especially along the offensive line. But if you have someone who's going to just be a stud at that one spot, let him excel there, right? Like, And I think Big Jonah, but he's still young, and if they think he can be a tackle, then if that's their best lineup, fine. But what I think you're seeing, too, is there's a lot of names here where Arizona has brought in under Jed Fish, and especially the last couple of offseasons, just more and more potential along the offensive line. Like it's huge that Jordan Morgan comes back, and if he can get healthy, that sets everything up. Like Baker was fine at center, right? And he got he seemed to get that yips over with, you know, towards the end of the season. His snaps were fine. Mm-hmm. You have your center and you have your left tackle. Those are arguably your two most important positions along the offensive line, and they should be set. And for the other three spots, you have options, you have potential, and you don't necessarily feel bad about it, right? Yeah. I, I was going to big Jonah. He's he's set at one of the spots. I assume right guard. So you have your left guard and your right tackle. But either way, like Wendell Moe, yep. I like him. He came on strong at the end of last season too. So I
1: like the makeup of this offensive line group. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I mean, I think Arizona has um, even bef- Josh Simmons or not. There's honest to god talent and depth at that position where. Drink. I, I'd 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 call the offensive line one of the strongest position groups on the it, roster. It very well could be. And it very well could be. I don't and not in, because the other groups are weak. No. <laughs> it's because I, I, it's actually not bad. I, I don't know what to do with my hands because I've never I don't know if I've said those words about Arizona football in a long time, about the O line room being, you know, among the best. <laughs> in, <laughs> Fair in, enough. In in a long time. Um but yeah, I, I I think those I think we've exhausted all of the options and 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 went sideways across the line and there's good things I think to come on there agreed um so the second question of of the dude 1121s uh three questions uh you better not get this one wrong adam as we're recording on march 23rd boswell or Kerr at point guard <laughs> well i i
0: assume this this question was or this one was asked before Kerr creesa entered the transfer portal it, but if it was if it, indeed but well, we could frame this as who we prefer to have at point guard next season i like that and i I would, I mean, obviously it's like a cup. I'd, I'd go Boswell. I think his potential to be a better defender, he seemed to be a more consistent shooter by the end of the season too. just more athletic and more willing to drive the ball to the basket. I'm excited to see what Boswell has after an off season where he's not rehabbing, where he's actually just trying to get better and work on his craft. And like you mentioned earlier, Brett in our first segment about him kind of being the dog, I keep, It's hard to come in and be a true freshman, a 17-year-old, if you can imagine that. He's 17 this season. Is he? Coming off the bench, playing spot minutes and whatever his role was in practices and everything and be the guy, be the point guard, be a leader out there, right? But give him an offseason with whatever group they have, hopefully in workouts, playing, running the show. And I imagine he could be more of that leader, more of that vocal, more of that dog type of player out there because he'll have the support of the team around him. So... I think Boswell has a higher ceiling than Kirk Kreesa. And therefore, I would choose Boswell for next season.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I would say Boswell is the more balanced player and has more upside. Uh even this even this year, even if he wasn't the best, you know, option this year, uh, at least not for the entirety of the season, I would love uh Boswell at at 18 starting and occur Carisa off the bench as a point guard, but that's not the world in which we're, we live nope. in or are going to live in. Um, so like I would not
0: have lost Boswell at the expense of keeping Carisa, And I think yeah. Boswell, what he could be next season, same thing that, like any point guard needs, they need some talent around them, yep. but Boswell, especially by the way he played towards the, end of the season. He was, he wasn't, I mean, he made some not so great plays in the Princeton game, but what he was doing by the end of the season, he was a pretty reliable player off the bench. and, was consistent from three played pretty good defense would take some jumpers even some two-point shots whoa so Your point am excited right about it <laughs> yeah I mean I'm excited about what he could be for Arizona next season
1: yeah I agree all right so the last of this trifecta from the dude 1121 Adam expand the Pac-10 or join the Big 12 <laughs> hmm, I'm I'm kind of team Big 12
0: I don't see the downside necessarily, especially with UCLA and USC leaving. And I would, cause I mean, who are you bringing in? Are you bringing San Diego state? Okay. That's cool. I guess, you know, like that's solid football and solid basketball, obviously, but who else, who else are you bringing in? Uh,
1: it's SMU man. Like
0: that's not, doesn't really move. You know, it doesn't get the excitement. And I know it's mostly for basketball, but being in the you know, TCU, Kansas, Baylor, right? <laughs> like yeah. Kansas State, like basketball-wise. Could you imagine being in the Big Twelve or whatever? I mean like be awesome, especially yeah. without UCLA being in the pack anymore. And don't forget, no more Pac-12 refs. I mean, I mean I, and I, I we just get to hate Big Twelve refs. I'm sure too. I'm sure, but but yeah, I. I did, this isn't one of those like, grass is always greener. You always want one you can't have just, I'm curious to see what the pac 12 can come up with in terms of the additions, because I don't know if there's anyone out there that would make me go. Yeah. Cause now you look at, I mean, bas- let's just look at basketball because that's Arizona's main sport. Who are you going to be exciting games in conference now in two years, who are you gonna be excited to play in conference? The ghost of Dana Altman, right? Like <laughs> is Oregon your best rival now? I mean, it's not ASU as much as they want to be Arizona's rival. They're just not. Um, utah like i it just doesn't you know it doesn't get you excited and football wise i don't think it'd be a drop off in football to go to the big 12 it'd be an upgrade there too it'd be harder but basketball wise it'd be a challenge like arizona would be i don't know if arizona walk in to be the best program they wouldn't be but they'd be among the best in a really strong conference so i think that would be that's really enticing to me
1: well and i think an interesting question that is uh, of the many layers of this, of what's best for Arizona, which I think is kind of what um, the dude 1121 is asking, you know, where are the impacts on recruiting? You know, do you change, you know, for Jed fish when they're focused on California, if they go to the big 12, does that fundamentally change that? Do they go more into Texas? You know, is it more basketball focused from Arizona's perspective? There's a lot of those things. Um, I want to give two, uh, creative jerk answers there's an entire possibility that both things are going to happen for the uh, the pac 12 expanding and arizona joining the big 12 in <laughs> subsequent years you know not at the same time but it, it, like both things could in fact happen in the next two to three years um and also my my personal favorite that i think uh there's multiple options for this that should have happened probably a couple of years ago and in the all, all parties would be in a better spot, but they need to get over themselves. I, ideally, I think there should be the mega conference or partner, like formal partnership, either with like the ACC or with the big 12, um, to salvage the pack. But, you know, I don't know if that's a viable thing. Um, at least not for a few years. I think the most likely, <laughs> I think there's a, uh, I think there's, I think the PAC 12, the PAC 10 is going to expand, uh, as quickly as possible. I don't think that necessarily saves it permanently. And then I think it's either going to go make a conference or the corner schools are going to go to the Big 12. And I just I don't I don't know if any other option is is realistic in the medium to long term. There you go. I can go with that. All right. Uh, Let me find our our last one. Um, I'm UA100Emoji. At MP Shrike, I think, uh, asks, it's early, but how do the linebackers look? Is there a D lineman that can force a double team at some point? Uh, we're a mediocre defense away from a bowl, which is not a, it was more of a statement there at the end rather than a question. It's a fact. <laughs> it's a factual statement <laughs> as far as they
0: go. Um, obviously, we're not, we're not down there looking at watching camp and I have our time, tar- like camp is another time to be like hey they're going to be good at this position you're going against each other and you see what the team wants you to see right they're not showing you everything but certainly the potential is there the linebacker is better than it was last season like you lost Jerry Roberts sure you lost Hunter Eccles, but the freshmen that are going to hopefully take a leap this next season you bring in Justin Flow. For example, like pairing him with Jacob Minu, everything I've read is about how those two play really well with each other and they're really looking forward to playing with each other, kind of leading that defense. And that's an aggressive couple of linebackers you know, who aren't afraid to hit people and to kind of set a tone for you. So I certainly like the potential there. And the defensive line, I mean, Kungaika came on strong last year. Savea was solid. Deuce Davis could be a type of, you know, Sterling Lane, the other deuce. I, Isaiah I, I Ward. Tied. Yeah, like there's so many guys there that can play that role. And I don't think they're going to command a double team, but they you can't ignore them is what I'm guessing. Like, I'm excited to see the growth from those guys from last year, to this year.
1: Yeah, I think, I, 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 think I agree. Um, you know, one of the last times we were talking football when we had Justin Spears on, I was texting him afterwards. I'm very excited. At the notion of, uh, Jacob Manu next to Justin flow. And I said, we should nickname them hustle and flow. Uh, <laughs> Justin Spears said we should put it on a t-shirt and then made a reference to the movie for people that don't know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I, there, there's, there's a really intriguing amount of potential on the D line. There's linebackers, you know, I, the, the Washington linebacker whose name is uh, Daniel Adam can pronounce the last name. No, I cannot. Um <laughs> Well, <laughs> uh you know, there's, I, I, from the reports are that he's looking really good in practice. Uh, You know, there's the, the, uh, um was it Oren Patu, the Cal yeah, transfer Cal transfer, uh, you know, on the edge to go along with the, the deuce, deuce combo, the the deuce Davis, the deuce lane, uh, you know, Russell Davis and Sterling lane. Uh, Isaiah Ward is a guy that if, you know, I've talked about what i got, you know, I got to see in person and be like, Oh man, if that guy puts some weight on, he just, you know, he has that, athletic just look and build lanky and just looks like he's going to be a guy that if he puts it together, you know, look out, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tia Savea, maybe uh, I think Tyler Manoa, the transfer from that uh, is coming in probably playing from defensive UCLA. tackle. You know, there's, I don't know if there's a surefire double team guy there, but maybe it's, you know, people will have to just, that'll emerge throughout the season. But I think collectively the front seven is is solid, especially in the linebacker room compared to last year. And don't, uh, you know, don't sleep on, you know, as much as we are going to miss Christian Woolen Wallace, you know, I'm really excited to see what the, the young corners can do. Yeah. Right. Um, to Cario Davis and, uh, I'm bl- um, I'm, uh, along with uh, Ephesians Priceock, you still have trading Stukes. So I think they've been moving him to the the nickel spot, which I think, you know, trading Stukes is a competent corner and I think he's a massive upgrade in a nickel compared to what has been there in the past. Certainly in terms of coverage, um, you know. So if if we're if we're talking average defense, the talent is certainly there, and that means bowl game, baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, is that is that our mailbag questions? Good that, questions. Yeah, those are our mailbag questions. We have done.
0: I know I teach things like football talk and other things. And that's a lot of, we talked a lot of football there. We'll, we'll save football. We've already kind of had a long show today, Brett. So we'll save that. We'll get maybe Justin Spears on. He's covering Arizona football. We'll, we'll talk to someone who's down there, really get a good, good insight into what they're doing. Um, you know, spring sports, baseball up and down, softball up and down. I think we'd be honest, like Arizona Diver Delaney, Schnell, Pac-12 wins Diver of the Year won the NCAA national championship in platform diving, I think last week. So congratulations to Delaney on that one. And I think that's probably the best way to end it here. You know, with something like, no, it's something positive. Like That's that's great.
1: That that is great. I was going to say other positive news. The, you know, they got a top 1000 defensive commit on the football team too. Uh, You can, you can pronounce his name
0: again. Why do you, why do you assume I can pronounce these guys names? I I cannot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i mean caravallo probably well, i was more referring to his first name no <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't it starts with an m but i don't think it's pronounced no adam no
0: no but yeah so that's that's good but we, we'll have more football of course down the road now that basketball kind of coming to a has come to a close we can definitely turn our attention to the gridiron but Everyone, we appreciate your questions on our Twitter. Of course, that's Wildcat Radio Az is the handle. Um, we'll do those mailbag segments occasionally, but if you just have a question, feel free to shoot it over, and we'll get to it, you know, if I remember to tease it anyway. I'll get better at that, I promise. <laughs> of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, subscribe to us on both platforms. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and review, and we'll read that review on the air. But otherwise, we'll... well We'll have a lot to talk about in the coming shows in the next few weeks, of course, with transfer news and football and the spring sports and whatever happens, we will talk
1: about it, but until next week, remember to bear down, bear down.